y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith America podcast, volume 13. We have an awesome show for you today, especially if you're golf folks. Defending U.S. Open champion Brooks Kepka will join us for a wide-ranging, hilarious, insightful, educational conversation where he really does touch on a ton of different topics. He touches on Tiger Woods being one of his heroes and playing that first round with Tiger. He touches on his great friendship with former world number one Dustin Johnson. He tells tons of hilarious stories, including the fact that his name gets messed up a little bit. Before we jump into our interview with Brooks, I want to chat with you guys for a minute about keeps. Maybe you've noticed you have a little bit less hair than you used to have. I don't have that problem, but a lot of y'all do. Maybe you're not sure that there's a real solution. The thing is, there are two clinically proven medications that let you keep your hair. And now they're inexpensive and they're really easy to get. You don't need to lose your hair if you don't want to. And that's why I have to tell you about Keeps. For five minutes right now and just $1 a day, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. Getting started with Keeps is really easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes. Just answer a couple questions and snap a couple photos. A licensed doctor remotely reviews your information and recommends the right treatment for you all without ever leaving your couch. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've never gotten them this easy or for this price. Keeps is just $10 to $35 a month. Plus, now you can get your first month free. That's a hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair, boys. The ladies want you to have that hair, trust me. There's no reason to put this off any longer. Stop hair loss today the easy way with Keeps. To receive that first month of treatment for free, go to Keeps.com slash Marty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Marty. That's a free month of treatment at Keeps.com slash Marty. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. Now, here's our conversation with defending U.S. Open champion, Brooks Kepka. Brooks, first of all, brother, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, first and most importantly, go Knowles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having uh, me, bud. We just uh, recently had Charlie Ward on. So, you know, him, Dion, Derek Brooks, Peter Warwick, Jameis. Where are we on the greatest Knoll of all time? Where are you on that? Probably behind all those guys. Well behind all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty good one. Florida boy by birth. Were you always a Florida State fan? No, actually, I was a big Florida fan growing up. I'm not going to lie. I was a big Florida fan. Man, I was like big Tebow when I was in high school. Um, all my friends were Florida fans. I wanted to go there. They just never recruited me. Um, but then once I got to Florida State, I mean, that was over with. I'm not even a Gator fan to this day. Definitely, definitely can't, uh, can't cheer for him. You ever met Tebow? No, I've never met him, but I mean, I've had the opportunity to a couple times just for the fact that it's been, um, you know, spring training down here. And now he's doing baseball, all this stuff. I mean, I'd like to meet him. I think he's an incredible athlete. That's for that's for sure. He's an incredible human being. What was it about him as a high schooler that inspired you? I don't know. I just love the way like he competed. I mean, I respect anybody that can go out on anything and just go compete, bring it day in, day out. He's got the attitude. He seems to make all his teammates better um, around him, and, and for some reason, he's just—he's got that it thing. I mean, I know he hasn't been as successful, um, you know, as he's wanted to in the NFL, but I mean, he's just an incredible, incredible athlete and finds a way to get it done. Um, it works hard, uh, and it's—he's—he's uh, he's just a fun person to watch, man. Who was your hero as a kid? I'd be crazy not to say Tiger Woods. Yeah, um, but I think that one's kind of obvious. But, um, yeah, yeah, I got to go to Tiger Woods. Um, football, though, I was a huge Brett Favre guy. Big Packers fan now. I grew up, I loved Brett Favre. I thought he was the man. Um, and I think he was so he was so much fun to watch. I mean, that's, that's the reason I'm a Packers fan now. Gunslinger, man. He had that gunslinger thing going. I know. I loved it. I love watching him just take shots down the field. Just all or nothing, go for it. Packers guy now still, huh? Yeah, yeah, still. Man, I've been dying to go to Lambeau. We were supposed to go last year. Something something happened and wasn't able to make it. But, yeah, dude, I'd love that's one, that's one place I really want to go to bad. And I want to go when, in the middle of the winter, snow and everything, freezing cold. Florida boy in the ice, I don't know. We might need to 
yeah. make sure that you're well prepared for that. You were talking about Tiger. <laughs> Last year, you and I did a Nike event together, and you told an awesome story about the first time you played with Tiger. And I would love for you to share with with the the listeners what that moment was like for you yeah. when you're actually playing around with your hero for the first time. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of build up uh, with him, and you see, so you get there, you're on. On the first tee, you're nervous. And then to make matters worse, the way the, the tee box were set up, Phil was on, Phil was there too on the whole. So it made it like 10 times more people <laughs> get there. I'm like, Oh, come on. Like now, now all these people are definitely going to be watching me. So, uh, we get there and I just got caught watching them. Honestly, you do, you know, you grow up my entire life. I watched the guy. So what's your first instinct to do is when you get up there, you go watch him. Um, you know, I watched him for nine holes, and I probably played about as bad as anybody could play. Uh, I think I shot about five or six over, um, and it was—I mean, it was bad. I mean, I remember somebody telling me I looked like Charles Barkley out there, um, <laughs> which was which was a fair comparison. <laughs> That's about how it felt for a minute. But then, uh, but then, you know, once once I was like, all right, I got to stop. I got to stop with this guy. I got to I got to focus on my game and do this. I'm here to do do what I'm supposed to do. So. And then once that kicked in, I was all good. As you watched him, what what did you see as you're watching it real time, right there with him? First off, he's just impressive. Um, you know, he's he's a big dude to start with physically, um, and he and he still is intimidating. I guess he's he's he just he gives you that look of uh, I'm here to do work. I mean, we were well down, well back. We had a pretty early tee time on Sunday, but he's got that intimidating look of. I'm here, and I'm here to kick your butt, and that's what's going to happen. I'm going to find a way to do it. Um, and he just got that presence around him. Even when he walks, he walks very tall, makes himself big. Um, it's, it's, it is – I could see back when he was playing why guys were just so afraid of him. I would love to get your perspective on his evolution as a person over the past couple of years because in March I had the tremendous opportunity to sit down with him for 45 or 50 minutes. I remember that. Yep. And yeah, you were there that day. That's right. Yeah. I had forgotten yep. that. Uh, and I was fascinated by his vulnerability, um, his honesty and how open he was and telling yep. me stories about his dad and all of those things. Right. And, and fatherhood and all that. How would you describe his evolution during your relationship with him? Yeah, it's, it's, he's become a lot more open in the last few years. I think he's, he's willing to help, you know, guys, from, you know, my generation, he's, those team things that we've been a part of, you know, the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, you see a completely different side of the guy that, you know, you or I saw when I was growing up. Um, he's he's laughing, he's telling jokes. You know, you don't get to see that. You know, the public only sees what they see when they're on the golf course for four or five hours. That's all the people see. Um, and then you see this guy that, you know, he's in the gym every morning at five in the morning, sweating. Already got a sweat going by the time we get in there. Um, you know, he's one of the last guys in the team room laughing and joking. Um, and like you said, I think a lot of that has to do with his kids. Um, you know, he's in a good spot right now. He's in a good place with his family. And I think his kids have allowed him to really kind of uh, kind of open up and, and become more of a more of an open person over the last two years. And I think a lot of that has to do with that. The, the team stuff too and I think it's also super hard I mean I give him credit for living such a you know a private life you know being who he is one of the most recognizable athletes but at the same time man I wouldn't wish that life upon anybody I mean I, I give respect to LeBron James um that are you know Tiger all these guys man they're just so well so well known everywhere you go um I mean you can't go out in public I I couldn't imagine doing that that wouldn't that wouldn't be fun to me what what comes with that there's a lot, man. It, it's hard to even leave your house. I don't know why somebody's got everything. Someone's always the problem is is every everyone now is a photographer. I mean, everyone's got a cell phone. Everyone can all you show up at some place. All you got to do is put it on Twitter. People, people, you know, you could have a line of people out the door. He's only there for five minutes. Yep. You know, it's um, everyone seems like they're just trying to find some little secret out on you. They're trying to. Um, they're trying to let people know where you're at. Nothing, nothing is really truly private anymore. What percentage chance, based on what you saw from Tiger during his back issues and how debilitating that was for him, 
knowing, you know, you're, you're elite, okay? You're a major champion, all these things. So you know what it takes to be great. What percentage chance would you have given based on what you saw from how that injury impacted him that he would have been able to make a comeback to be competitive again? Uh, if I'm honest, I didn't think there was, there, there was a very, like 1%. I thought there was no chance. I remember seeing him one day at Medalist. I was with my brother and we were just kind of on the putting green. I had ran up to go grab something out of my car and I saw him, him and Charlie, they were there and, uh, he'd, he would, didn't tell me, but he was going into surgery, I guess, maybe one of the next few days um, to go redo something on his back. It was like the second time he'd had that surgery. And, dude, he did not want to give up any information. He didn't want to give up anything, how bad it hurt. The only thing I remember him saying is, I'll be back. You know, I'll be back. I'm going to kick your butt. Don't worry about it. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, right, because <laughs> from what I've seen, I mean, dude, you know how hard it is to come back from a golf injury and back, uh, you know, come back and be great again? I mean, that's so hard to do. It's uh, And to come back and do what he's done, man, it's super impressive. It's It just shows you how gritty of a competitor he is. That's 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 all I can say about him. He just He's relentless. It's impressive. It really is pretty fascinating. I mean, it, it, it he basically told me, look, man, I was done. I couldn't even lay in my yard to play, to watch my children play. It hurt too bad. And, yeah. you know, now you see him, uh, on Sundays with that, with that walk again. It's fun and it's huge for the game. And speaking of injuries, I know you, you know, you've been battling a wrist here this year. And I mm-hmm. want to get into this golf cart episode at the players. Walk me through saving a man's life, Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was, um, it was the freakiest. <laughs> accident that ever could have happened guy was driving right and they were doing it all day um and i was to be honest i was practicing for 18 hitting like a little stinger draw down there come around the guy comes right in front of me and i had my head down giving it the few waggles right before i hit and i guess denny willits you know hitting balls right next to me but he's like 10 15 yards from me and i guess he stopped and I'd given it the full whack. I'd come down, released everything, and saw it. And I watched the shaft of my three iron about kick to my waist on the follow-through. I'd stopped so quick. And I just felt like I jarred my wrist. I was like, oh, crap. And this guy, I'm telling you, he was 15 yards in front of me. had no clue. Four people in the cart. I mean, couldn't have been better height to what to take someone's head off. Um, so if you don't stop, they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I don't know which one of the four would have gotten it in the golf cart, but it would have uh, it would have done some damage. I mean, I've seen, I know how hard I hit it and how hard, how what what would happen. It wouldn't have been good. So you have this bum wrist, and then on Sunday you go and shoot a sixty three at the players. A sixty three. First of all, what the hell? Second, what did that tell you about you? What did that round define for you? To be honest with you, I felt like we've been knocking on the door for a while. Um, you know, I felt even when we played, you know, Charlotte uh, the week before, I felt like I was I was starting to make that transition into the I'm back. You know, I was starting to feel it a little bit. Um, I wasn't feeling it maybe for all 18 holes, but I was like, man, I'm close here. It's just, you know, kind of played okay. Just played 17 bad all week at TPC. And then – you know, shoot that, um, it was kind of like my aha moment. Like, all right, boom, we're back, ready to go. I mean, it's been impressive. I mean, it's been impressive. I mean, what? We've shot 363s in the last five rounds. I mean, that's pretty good. It's insane. I mean, I, <laughs> it's it's beyond my – look, man, for me, golf's a way to drink beer. I mean, it's a conduit to drinking beer. And it's such it's, – it's such an impossible game. And it makes us – those of us who are mortals – so angry, and yet you guys are like aliens. It's an entirely different level, a masterful level of precision. Describe the commitment. What's the commitment to achieving a championship level of precision for those of us who are novices and could never fathom it? I think there's so much that goes into it, man. Um, it goes – I always talk about – you watch, you hear everyone talk about being in the zone and being fully involved. I mean, it is literally like – no one is out in that golf course besides just me and my caddy, and we're just laughing. And, you know, the rounds that everyone has when they're by themselves, you know, you ever see the 
people are always, ah, oh, I played so good in that late nine holes or that late 18 holes, um, you know, after work, um, getting off work and going to play that late nine where it's just so enjoyable. That's exactly what it feels like for us when we're playing, except, you know, you're in front of a bunch of people and TV and all this stuff. But it is so much fun. I mean, it's the biggest high you could ever have um, being in the zone and, and getting into that space. But there's so much that goes into it, man. I remember thinking, even after the U.S. Open, you know, all those all those miles I run, all the, you know, the weights I lift, like, that's, this is why you do it, you know, to have this feeling through all those struggles of, you know, sitting on the floor, just trying to catch your breath and you can't catch it. Um, you know, being in pain, you're cramping so hard. And you look back and you're like, that's why I did it. You mentioned the U.S. Open. How does winning a major impact your life? What exactly is that? I think I take it a little bit different than than probably most people. Um, for me, it's been – it hasn't changed my personal life. Um, you know, I'm still the same person I am. I try, I'm pretty quiet, pretty humble. I don't really do many do many interviews, to be honest with you. I stay away from – you know, shy away from a lot of the spotlight. But – professionally it's a whole new level now i think there's a lot more that's expected of you in what ways if from the fans from your sponsors uh you know to to little kids man i remember being i could when i was growing up i knew every every good player um you know every player that won a major um there's a lot more you know autograph requests a lot more um you know times where you know you just got to go do meet and greets you got to manage your time a little bit more because Let's be honest, you know, the U.S. Open, you go back and defend. I mean, you really got to – time management has to be so good. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's part of – it was a little learning curve at first, trying to figure out, okay, you know, I need to have a schedule and stick to it. I can't break from that. Um, And I think that's why – like, I I always find other athletes and other sports so interesting is why they're so regimented on, like, everything is down to, like – the minute on, you know, I'm going to spend 30 minutes doing this, 20 minutes in here, an hour and a half in the gym, go to recovery for an hour, do all this stuff. I think that's why they're so – they've been like that from day one, and I wasn't like that. And I've had to evolve that – evolve, you know, the basically down to the hour. Hey, I'm going to the gym till this time, then I'm going to course. I'm going to do recovery when I get back, go into the pool, go swim laps come back, do this stuff, and you kind of realize how much time you can get caught up in the day, just like 10 minutes doing something, and it takes you an extra 30 minutes to get there or what. You know, it's amazing how disciplined some of those great athletes are, Um, and it's amazing how much more time in the day you can find to be practicing or recovery or things like that. What part of your life has suffered the most from needing that discipline? To be honest with you, I think there's a lot of people – family, uh, friends, girlfriend, um, you know, there's a lot of times you just got to say no. And I think that's, that's been the one word I've really had to understand that sometimes people just don't get. Um, you know, I think I love my family, love my girlfriend, love my friends, but sometimes you know, they just don't understand. No, they forget all the stuff that goes on from, you know, most people see you when you're on the golf course, but they don't see the I was in the gym at 7 a.m. We teed off at 12. You know, I came back at, at 10. I have to get treatment, do all this stuff, stretch, get loose to play, eat, do all this stuff. Okay, then we're done with the golf course. <laughs> I still haven't eaten a full meal because, let's be honest, you're not going to eat a full meal while you're on the golf course. Mm-hmm. You're just snacking the whole time. Come back. Okay, great. Got to get, you know, unwanted. You have my uh, physio work on me. Make sure everything's good, the body's good, restretch me, do all this stuff. And boom, sometimes you're not home till nine thirty at night and you're going, Everyone's got a sacrifice. Uh, you know, no one's getting to see me. And I think one of the big things like my family, I won't allow them to come attending the majors. I won't allow them to come see me during the majors. Um, it's it's been kinda one of those things and nothing against them, but you know, it's not a hangout. I'm there to work. You know, I I want the people that are in my house when I stay at, you know, the majors, I want it's a work atmosphere. I don't want to feel like I'm putting anybody back or anybody to hold any grudges. Oh, we didn't get to see you. We didn't do this. Like, no, I'm here for one job, one job only. Um, and I think sometimes you can get caught up in that. And and having them there, look, no matter how much you love them, it's like me. You know, I've been married 18 years and I have three kids. I adore I adore my family. But having your family at work is work. 
it's another layer. Yeah. It's another layer of work and things that you have to consider where that might steal even that fraction of focus that is required. It's just how it is. Yeah, uh, it, it, it is. It really is crazy how much, you know, you know, whether it be just time, a little bit of effort, this and that. And sometimes, you know, you come home and you're just dead. It's a late night, early morning. You can't do anything. You don't even want to talk to anybody. It might not have been the best day, but you come home, you try to, you put a smile on to everybody. You know, you try to do it. Come home, you shower. You know, you're just frustrated with yourself. You get out, and you're just like, man, I can't wait to go to bed. New day tomorrow. <laughs> you want you want the day to end, but you know, if your friends and family are there, you feel kind of obligated, and it's kind of it's kind of a, it, it's a weird role. Um, you know, I, my family is definitely taking the brunt of it sometimes, and my girlfriend has too. But it's not. Uh, everyone's starting to understand a, a little bit more. There's a lot more, a lot more demands. You ever get nervous teeing off with all those people standing there? hollering mash taters and whatever <laughs> no the only time i got the only time i really got nervous is maybe the first hole uh the masters the Ryder cup the president's cup and then the final day of the u.s open i remember i was a little nervous getting off from there but it wasn't like the nerves where you're like oh man i'm shaking so bad i don't even know if i can put the tea in um, <laughs> i wasn't sure if i could put the tea in at the Ryder cup when they were all telling i can tell you that I mean, that, my hands were shaking so bad, and I remember the, the, Dustin turned to me. He goes, bro, wherever that tee is, just hit it and hit it hard because it's going to go. And I was <laughs> like, yes, it will. Um, and it did. But I think it's more of an excitement. Um, you know, you're anxious to get going. You want to be in that moment. You want to have that feeling. But I wouldn't say I get nervous. It's uh, When you get nervous, you, you're thinking about the situation too much and, and not being in the moment and just going with it. Ryder Cup's interesting, too, because, you know, you guys live this solitary existence. You're almost not playing against one another. You're playing against the course, right? It's you against you. Yeah. And then your Ryder Cup shows up, and you got these guys counting on you. It's funny that you mentioned Dustin Johnson. DJ, your best friend on tour? Yeah. Yeah, Dustin's my best friend. How'd you guys get hooked up, and how'd you guys become close? We became close. I met him in 2012 when I was playing the U.S. Open as an AM, because um, he, he was with the same agency. So I met him. Um, you know, obviously he was their big guy, so I met him. Um, and we kind of, you know, obviously lived 10 minutes apart at the time. And I remember one day I just texted him, and I was like, hey, if he's around, you know, do you mind shooting me his number? I'll go hang out with him. So I did. I went over to his house, hung out with uh, – it was funny. I went over there, and, you know, it was him, Paulina, um, and then – Funny enough, a couple kids who I knew from high school were hanging out with them, and I had no idea they all hung out together. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, he was shocked that we all knew each other. Everyone knew everyone, and um, it kind of went from there. I mean, so we've been friends for four years now. Um, it's just, you know, being over in Europe, it wasn't <laughs> – I didn't get to see him too much because I was never here at home, and obviously he wasn't, uh, you know, always home traveling over the and doing his uh his schedule but uh obviously over the last year it's gotten a lot closer um working out i mean we stayed in houses together um you know i basically live with him for like six months there my house is being redone um you know we're uh you know we're really close um you know paulina and my girlfriend are really close uh it's uh it's fun man we've 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 gotten it's almost like uh having another brother i guess you could say What's a Kepka DJ workout look like? I mean, if I could have it my way, we'd do upper body. Uh, <laughs> his way. He'd, he'd do low body. <laughs> it, uh, it all depends. No, we go at each other pretty good. Um, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things. He, I mean, his arms are so long. He can't, I mean, he's going to struggle to bench. Anybody that's over, you know, a tall guy with long arms knows that you're not going to bench. Yep. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, he could put, he can, load up that squat rack i mean i've watched him put 400 on there no problem and just just do it really you know 10, ten times dude it's, it's really impressive I've, I've been very very impressed with him yeah it's, it doesn't look like his low body can handle that much weight being tall but i'm telling you he can really load up load it up that's a whole like i already respected him because he can hit it from here to kansas city but that's a whole other level man you're loading 400 yeah. on no it's, I, i'm even shocked that sometimes cause i'm like man i couldn't even stand there with 400 on my back like that <laughs> My spine would break, I think. You and me could work out together, man. I like that upper body. I like that upper body. Yeah, no, I, I could do that. I'd do that every day if I could. You know, it, it's uh, it's fun, though. It, it's 
to me, I view it as another like competition. I view it, you know, you're trying to break your own personal record. You know, you've got your own record you want to beat. Um, you know, I've got my goals while I'm in there. And to me, I, I just see it as another form of competition, really. A couple more things and I'll get you out of here, brother. I would love to know who you believe has the most God-given talent on the PGA Tour. That's a good one. You know, to be honest, I, I think there's there's five guys. I mean, there's five guys who are legitimately just that much better than the rest. I mean, obviously Tiger, um, but that's not. I mean, I'm not going to shock anybody with that one. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go, Rory. I mean, I think Rory when he's playing his best, it's it's he is by far one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, I think DJ just is incredibly talented, just straight. He's a freak. Um, and then I think Justin Thomas is is unbelievable. I think he had so much talent. He was so raw. He just needed to figure it out a little bit, and he's done that. Um, figure out his wedge game, how not to go full bore all the time. He's figured it out. Um, I think you know adding Jimmy on the bag was, was a big thing for him. And then to be honest, you got it. You'd be stupid if you didn't say yourself because you're not believing in yourself. I completely agree. Plain, plain and simple. If, you, if I'm going to sit here and tell you that those five guys are better than me, I'm, I'm, I'm setting myself up for failure. So, I mean, everyone's always believing in yourself. But I think those guys, um, that group right there is, is probably is so talented. It's, um, it's pretty incredible. Last thing, man. I love to hear the welcome to the show moment. What was Brooks Kepka's welcome to the tour moment? Ooh, that was a good, that's a good question. I like that one. Um, I remember it was probably, you know, you gonna laugh at me when, uh, when we won in Phoenix, right? So Marty playing good, you know, I think I'm a hot shot, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, it, nobody knows me realistically. And then you get on the first tee on the final day and he just goes, Brooks cupcake. <laughs> and it was like, uh, it, it was like, uh, uh, oh, Really? Not, like really that bad like come on uh, I was like I was such in shock I mean you're a young kid you I climbed the ranks pretty fast everyone kind of knew that knew I was good but it was kind of like a uh, a moment where you know okay humble yourself there real quick but <laughs> and, then, and then of course you go and win but it, it was just a funny thing I mean it actually happened to me the other day too or what was it? Or I think you said Bruce Cupcake or something on the T in Fort Worth <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday. It was, it was pretty fun. I get it a lot, but I mean, I just laugh. But it's uh, it's you know, it's fun, man. It it really is. You just gotta laugh it all, laugh it off. It's uh, it's always interesting. Every day out there is definitely interesting. Brother, I can't thank you enough. Uh, that was a tremendous interview. I appreciate the insight so much. And I, I wish you the absolute best, man. Uh, I look forward to seeing you play again in person. Yeah, thanks, bud. I appreciate it. And hopefully get to see you here soon. Yes, sir. Have a great day, my man. Yep, you too, bud. I'll talk to you. Who knew Brooks Kepka was so funny? Who knew Brooks Kepka had so many tremendous stories? Who knew that he could get me to say go Knowles? What are we going to do, bud? We're going to drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. What's up, man? Party party. Now, this is a hell of a good segue because my boy Matt Barry, the one and only, the legendary, actually has a podcast coming out next week himself with our boy Michael Collins. Barry likes to pretend like he made Collins and me famous and good at television. Uh, Maddie and the Caddy podcast coming out next week. Barry, what are you doing, son? Look, here's the deal. I don't pretend that I made you guys famous. I just go to the game tape. <laughs> and I say, look, you know, when, when Steve Tate Na- don't lie, baby. <laughs> when Steve Nash sets up his his scores, you and Michael Collins, I I, I merely dish the assist. He won two MVPs in a row. You know that for you guys to score, <laughs> and you guys have scored quite nicely in the in the avenue of of weekend sports centers when he come on with me during football season and golf season. But yeah, excited to do a uh, podcast uh, with Michael Collins called Maddie and the Caddy. Just Kind of a, 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 a fun take and a good look at the uh, game of golf that I know we all love. I was going to say, uh, explain this to me. Is this golf-centric? It is golf-centric, but it, it is, as you know, Marty, having conversations with me, uh, it's not all going to be golf because we tend to veer off into other Indeed. conversations. Look, we're going to try to keep it in the fairway. 
but there are going to be times where we hit it in the rough um, and and start discussing all things outside of golf. We're excited for our first show. Uh, SVP is going to be our featured guest, um, and we're looking forward to talking to golf with him. He, he, he's the face of golf here at ESPN is SVP. Looking to get into that with him. And then we have a, a, a big guest tentatively scheduled for episode two. I don't want to give it out just yet, but it, it, it's a big one if, if it comes through the way that we believe that it will. Well, I hope it does. Uh, that's funny. We uh, actually inter- have uh, Scott coming up on one of our podcasts as well. I didn't get into golf with him too much. I actually consider him to be the face of our network. That's true. Uh, I think he, uh, he's he been so kind to me always, and uh, you know his influence is so dramatic. I was going to have him on just to mess around in the Marty party one day. And I thought, you know, what the hell with that? I mean, I'm going to interview him for real. Yeah. And it, uh, it wound up being very enlightening. He's and a fascinating so, individual. He is a fascinating individual and you are too. I want to get into this deal about Kepka. Yeah. I mean, when you, you know, you know, golf, you know, his pedigree, you know, he's a U.S. open champion. You know, he, he was hilarious talking about the waste management. He said, uh, I asked him, you know, what was your welcome to the tour moment? Uh, those, you know, you guys that were listening just heard this and he said, uh, stepped into the, uh, first tee on the final day at the waste management the year he won it. Announcer comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, Brooks cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> pretty damn good, Matty. Yeah. He, He's a pretty damn good, good, pretty damn good player. You know, he is. And, and with, with Brooks, I hosted our coverage last year at the U.S. Open for ESPN and, and we were out at Aaron Hills and we were, we were, coming up with these guys that we believed could compete at Aaron Hill is just solely based on how the course layout was. And it was for big bombers. Fairways were wide open. Guys like Rory McIlroy, we thought would contend Dustin Johnson. But for whatever reason, we stopped talking about Brooks Kepka until it was clear that throughout the course of the tournament that he, in fact, had the perfect game for Aaron Hills. And afterwards, when I was sitting down with him for the Sports Center conversation, I said, you know, what was it about this week that led you to this point? And he said, look, I've always had the ability, it was about it finding itself for four straight days. Mm-hmm. And it did. And this is a guy whose road to get to where he is. He took a winding road to get to the tour. He almost quit. He's had to deal with injuries. He's had so many other things going on. He wanted to play baseball growing up. All of these things that he wanted to do, he was kind of an inner conflict with himself to finally get to the point where he's now a major champion. And, and Marty, Here's the, here, what's the one thing you hear about golfers? They're not athletes. Cause they point to some of the golfers back in the day that were a little overweight, maybe a little chubby, probably ate too many hot dogs, not enough protein. You, Brooks Kepka's an athlete now. He's a grown man, son. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a grown man and he's an athlete. And he's one of those players when you see him now, you look at now where golfers are and he's exactly the state of the game. He's big. He's muscular. He's like, okay. Enough with this non-athlete garbage. You hear him. You hear him there name five guys that he feels like are the pinnacle level of the tour. Mm-hmm. He names Tiger because he's Tiger. He names Dustin Johnson, who is his best friend on the tour, which you guys just heard. He names JT, and he names Rory McIlroy, and he names himself. The one thing that I found to be so interesting about his commentary was Rory. And I've heard this time and again that Rory is the most talented guy out there. When he's on his A game, he's untouchable. What are your thoughts? Yeah, when when every golfer is at the height of their powers, there isn't anyone on tour, top to bottom, that's going to mess with Rory McIlroy. When when he is at the peak of his game, we saw it at the uh, at the Memorial on Saturday when Rory went low and he went out early. When he is driving the ball. When he's hitting his irons and he's putting top to bottom, there isn't any player on the planet as good as Rory McIlroy. Having said that, I believe that Dustin Johnson is the closest guy that now that he's good at his, he's worked on his wedges. When when that guy's hitting the ball, he's tough to beat. A sixty three on Sunday at Sawgrass is astounding to me, and Kepka does that. Yep. Thoughts. <sighs> You know, it hell a sixty three out here to Muni is yeah sixty three at Rockledge in West Hartford's impressive. <laughs> but, I mean, look like anything. I'm I've seen enough tournaments to where I know that a lot of a score is relative to luck of the tee time draw because in golf there are so many elements that players have to contend with, especially at a place like TBC Sawgrass. When that wind kicks up on sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, you've got some issues. 
And so if it's still and the conditions are benign in the morning, some of these players can go out low. But a 63 is a 63 is a 63 because you have to put it all together. You got to find the fairway, you got to find the green, and you got to make your putts. And watching Brooks at the U.S. Open last year at Aaron Hills, when he was just obliterating that course, I believe, and I, and I have to look this up, I think on 18, which was a ridiculously long hole, I believe he went something like three wood, six iron. Stupid. And it's just like, you're making this thing look like a course where some dude plays with jean shorts and a Bluetooth. <laughs> Nothing wrong with George, dude. Don't hate on George now. <laughs> I mean, That's just, the official garment of the Marty Party. These guys make it look so easy. He, he, Brooks does, Rory does, DJ does. Equipment has a lot to do with it, but it's just fun to watch. And I, I hope. Brooks is healthy going into the U.S. Open because he's set up. I, I think he's going to win a green jacket. I think he's tailor-made for the Masters. I don't think you're going to hear the last of him in major championships. What was your welcome? You know, we all sort of have those those moments. You and I are so acutely aware of how blessed we are to attend these various events, right? And we were at the Masters together. We shacked up in the same house together with Eves. And we had way too much fun during that week. But I spent a lot of time that week really immersed in my own thoughts, walking around the course, thinking about my parents and my family and my life and my blessings. Like that place has that impact mm-hmm. on you. When was that moment for you where you went, wow, all right, I am here at the Augusta National Golf Club I mean, it's amazing. It was back in 2006. I was doing local television in Columbia, South Carolina, and, and Columbia from Augusta is an hour door to door, and so we yep. would we would cover that event every year. And I grew up. I've I've been you know I've been a golf fan my whole life, and I grew up watching the Masters and Jim Nance and the music and and, and all of this stuff that surrounds it and Tiger and Phil. Those and, birds. Well, whether the birds are real or not, I mean, <laughs> forget the birds and mazalias, but yeah, those those birds that don't exist. By the way, you never see a squirrel at Augusta oh, National. Levitard, look, Dan and Stu put me on the case. I, it was my mission to find a squirrel. I was there eight days. I okay? found one. I didn't. I saw none. The only I'm, one I saw was running up a tree in our backyard out there on the other side of town. I've got proof of the squirrel because we had just got done talking about it at the ESPN compound. It was me. Uh, DeCordy, who's SVP's producer and SVP, and literally two, and Andy North. And two seconds after I left the combat to walk to my car, I saw a squirrel running across the street, took a picture, and this guy saw me take a picture. He's like, don't worry about it. That thing's going to be disintegrated in five minutes. So even the people that work there know the, know the joke. But uh, 2006, when I went to Augusta for the first time, I kind of stood there, and I, and I got chills. Because it's the thing that I'd I'd grown up watching, and here I am. I think at the time, twenty five years old in local TV, uh, getting to go to a place that I've long revered. Um, and it does; it it has that effect. I don't I don't know that for me, there's any other place in sports that kind of has that effect. When I stand there and I look at it and say, "Wow, this is where so many memories are made." Because Marty, we know this. I mean. Stadiums evolved, you know, Alabama, that stadium's evolved over time. Like these things aren't normally in their natural state when they were back in the day. And Augusta National is that it's the same ground. I mean, they flipped the original layout, but it's it's amazing. You heard me say ad nauseum while we were there. The beauty of it is in a time when we are so distracted by trying to capture moments on phones, you are immersed in the arena and you're immersed in the event and you are fellowshipping with your brothers or sisters because you don't have those distractions. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. How about this? Augusta National for, let's see, you know, gates open on Monday. Monday through Sunday has found a way to make people put their cell phones down because you can't even bring them in. But more importantly... They've made, they make digital cameras new every year. Cause the only thing you can bring in our practice rounds is a digital camera. You can't take phone pictures with your phone. So it's like National Signing Day. Facsimile machines are new <laughs> on National Signing Day and digital cameras are back every year at the Masters of the Practice Rounds on Tuesday, Wednesday. We're going to have to do something about those fax machines. Brother, I love you. I appreciate your time. And uh, y'all check out Maddie and the Caddy starting what day? I believe the first one is going to drop on Tuesday, June 
tenth. Is that it? Oh, that's the day no, after June twelfth. Okay. Tuesday, June twelfth. So two days from now. I think June twelfth is yeah, that's a Tuesday. That's so a Tuesday. tomorrow. That is tomorrow. When this airs, that is tomorrow. Oh my gosh, is that tomorrow already? Yes. It's like we had a, a flux capacitor. I can't wait to see it, son. Eighty eight miles an hour. One point twenty one gigawatts. Hey, do we ever learn what a gigawatt was? No. I, I don't know what a Did gigawatt is. Did it come is. from lightning? But I think all the time, I think all the time about that scene where Doc Brown is trying to show Marty the impact of the flux capacitor and going 88 mile an hour and hitting that wire at just the right moment. And he has that wind up model car. Yeah. And the wind up model car <laughs> falls off the table and catches the whole room on fire. And old Doc Brown just looks at Marty and goes, <gasps> what about what about when Marty McFly knocks on on Doc Brown's door at his house when he goes back in time and he's wearing that contraption on top of his head? <laughs> I'd love to get me one of those just to get me through life to figure out what I'm going to do next. I need to get me one of them and some jorts. All right, thanks for hanging, bro. Just Steve Nashing you all the way in. <laughs> Thank you, Bubba. You the man. Love you. Love you too. I love that boy. That's my that's my brother right there. Maddie and I have had some great times. Y'all make sure you check out his podcast with Collins. It's going to be hilarious because those two are funny individually together. Uh, you're going to need like a you're going to need one of those paper bags because you'll be hyperventilating. If you thought that was the stupidest ten minutes of your life, just hold the phone. Literally. Here's the hillbilly hotline. Words, sayings, or just a way of life. Roman candles? That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. <laughs> this is Hillbillyisms. And as it turns out, a lot of the best stories are coming from our own backyard. Marty and I both live here in the Charlotte area. And a um, a mainstay at the, the classic television station in Charlotte, WBTV, Dave Wisden has been working there. For a while now, and let me give you, we read this tweet earlier, Marty did, where he's, Dave, David tweeted, Sheriff, colon, woman robs general, Dollar General in Enochville, takes cash, two cases Bud Light, two cans Coke, two packs L&M cigarettes, one pack Winston's. Two weeks ago, David tweeted, man in Rowan County found naked on stranger's back porch, told deputies he had taken meth and was, quote, the son of God. This is different from earlier indecent exposure case where a man said God told him to pose naked in backyard. Hashtag put some clothes on. Hashtag not good naked. David Wisnett joins us now. David, you deal with a lot of naked people in your in your area. It does seem we have some folks who like to shed their clothes, yes. <laughs> well, th- first of all, thank you for the constant stream of material. You don't program. understand, brother. You have you just have no concept of the joy that you instill into our lives. On a daily basis, I get a belly what laugh. Based on your it, it, tremendous work in the greater Charlotte region. Well, it's nice to be able to, to have some sort of a niche that I can fit. But it, again, it's like I said, there's sort of a target rich environment. There seem to be a lot of, of activity like this that you take note of from day to day. Well, and we appreciate you, uh, uh taking note of that for us. So, so uh, how long have you been at OBTV now? 27 years. Wow. 27 years. Is there? Yep. Is there a hillbilly headline that is your go-to? Like what when, you're, when people say, "What's the dumbest covered? thing you've ever covered?" Is there a story that you always go to? I I would almost it, it. It seems like the more recent stories are the ones that come to mind, and and the one you read about the naked man, which is different from the earlier naked man. That was the the closest um, proximity of naked man that we've had in a, in a while. That would probably be it. Global warming, um, Dave. I, I don't know. I don't know what caused that. And and to have sort of a God-inspired naked in two different cases was interesting. So, you know, for, for right now, the more recent thing is what comes to mind. The woman at Dollar General they're still looking for, by the way. Um, I just oh, like the, the, the deputy. Well, the deputy was very specific in writing the names and the brands of the cigarettes and the beer. And I just thought that made a nice picture that it wasn't just the money. By the way, I need these groceries and so I'm going to take these things. Well, it's like I said, you know, look, I retweeted your tweet because it was just such a, it was a work of art. I mean, I, 
last <laughs> month I saw the Mona Lisa for the first time. It was nothing compared to this tweet of yours. And that's something that you retweet on the machine and you just write Bud Smokes and Sigs or whatever. America. I mean, it's it doesn't get better than that. Well, I was inspired. And, and I don't know. You talked about being in our own backyard. And I don't know that we have any more heinous hillbilly activity than, than any other part of the country. It's just that we have law enforcement agencies who keep summaries day-to-day of every call that a deputy has gone on the day before or an officer, and I read those every morning. And so just the sheer volume of calls, even in rural areas or around the Charlotte area, like you say, you're going to have things like this to come up every couple of days. You're going to have these bizarre stories where individuals are doing things that you just can't understand. How has... All right, so any of us in media, regardless of genre, social media has changed our career. It has made, it's added a dimension to our career that otherwise wasn't there previously. How has social media impacted the stories that you're doing on a daily basis? Wow. Uh, and, and that's the biggest change in the, the 27 years I've been in media. That's been the biggest single change. And I think that the way it's impacted it, you have to be more on top of things. You have to be accountable, but you have to be accurate. Um, you can, you can, anybody can create a funny, silly tweet, but it's got to be right or right. it really doesn't mean anything. And so it, that's, that's kind of the thing because a lot of folks who are on social media, believe it or not, have no accountability and can say anything they want because it's never going to be checked. But when you're actually in the media and you have to do social media, you have the added burden of responsibility to be right and to be accurate and not put something out that's garbage. It's amazing to reach, too, right? So if if you're 10 years ago, if you do the story on the naked guy or the Dollar General lady with the Marlboro Lights, (laughs) all right, that's a Charlotte story. But you put it on social media, and McGee and I think it's so funny that we put it, we, we retweet what you're what you're reporting and then some guy in kansas city thinks it's funny and he's retweeting it it goes crazy it's it's all of a sudden if it's not a a national story it's an international story because it's funny when the the law enforcement agency has had to adjust to that because in those particular cases that you mentioned and in a few other things like that they now start getting calls from all over the country either from other media people or, or, or whatever <laughs> right, else. Right. Hey, we want to know what – read that report. And so they're having to pull this report from something that happened in Enochville and read it to some guy in Wichita. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. And here's what they did. And, yeah, so yeah. they get, so they get, get calls specific- from us to put them on national radio, the, the sheriff exactly. in Volusia County, Florida, with the naked man loose in the airport down there. David Wisnett joining us from <laughs> WBTV here in Charlotte where Marty and I both live. Uh, and now, David, I'm, I think I told you this. We're proud. We're going to officially name you a Hillbilly Headlines correspondent. You'll join uh, Lauren Korn, who is our Central Florida correspondent, which, as you know, is crucial to have the right people in the right places. And we're, you, you are a Piedmont, wow. North Carolina correspondent. Is there a hat or something that comes with that? Yeah, you know what? We got patches. We'll get you a patch. We got patch. some patches oh, okay. you can put on your yeah. jacket. Yeah, you can no, put it on one side of your mic flag, and when you're feeling feeling Ooh. good, you can rotate it around and show it. So, I can yeah, turn so, it. I like that. So, folks, uh, um, you, you probably can tell from David's accent, he's not, he isn't just worked at WBTV for 27 years. You are a native to the area. What All right? Yeah. Well, not for <laughs> us, but for, you know, our, our other people that are listening. But yeah, yeah you, I'm a native. You, you yeah. are a native to the area. Uh, and you are from where originally? I'm from Salisbury, uh, in Rowan County. And so a lot of those tweets are, Hometown tweets. And I, I love my hometown. I love my county. We have hillbillies, just like oh, yeah. everybody else. But yeah, I'm I'm proud and I love to live here. So my question then is, after 27 years, has there been a time where you're like, I got a report on so and so, and he was naked and was stealing a six pack from the Dollar General, and oh by the way, I also he's my cousin, or I went to high school with him. Does that because well, Salisbury is is big, but it ain't that big. It, it hasn't happened to a family member yet, but yes, it has happened to people I've gone to school with, and, and it has happened to people that, that I would personally know. And then a few weeks later, you might see them in a restaurant or somewhere like that, and it does make for sort of an awkward situation. But, uh, you know, that's that's how it is. I mean, I, I love reporting on my hometown, I, you know, and, and the areas around it, the area that I grew up. I, I still love it either way. But, yeah, that's one of the things you kind of have to deal with. 
You the man, brother. You, yeah, uh, we're, we're going to send you a patch. Remember back in the day, like, uh, when Keith Jackson or, uh, <laughs> whom, they, you know, they'd show up on the broadcast in their ABC jacket and it had that big ABC right, right. on the breast area. That's right. Yeah. Brother, yeah. henceforth, yeah. when, when you show up on BTV, we better see, yeah. uh, that the Marty and McGee correspondent insignia right there on the lapel. All right. I might go get a new blazer today just to hold that. Yeah. <laughs> get you a Wild World of Sports Technicolor blazer. All right. Be uh, and, yeah. and that okay. patch, by the way, can be used as a credential to get into uh, mm. any press conference involving a hillbilly. So any redneck. It's like a hard card. Yes, it yeah, is. It's a redneck it. hard card. My man Dave Wisnett. God love him. Look, we've been subjected to his excellence for 20 years. I lived in Charlotte 20 years. I've been subjected to his tremendous I mean, I guess you could call it storytelling. It's actually just news reporting from the idiots around the world. God bless them all, and God bless Dave. We appreciate his time, and trust me, that will not be the last time that you hear his excellence either on the Marty and McGee program or the Marty Smith's America podcast. I want to thank him for his time. I want to thank Travis for his time and effort making sure that we got Brooks on this show and we got Barry on this show and we got Dave Wisnett on this show. I think thank Barry was the hardest one for us to get, actually. Barry was. A, he's hard to run down. He's a busy man Those these six days. o'clock sports we center, guys, look, they're We got to get him back on. We got to get him back on to talk spelling bee. Are we going to, now he's got his own podcast. He might start to big time us. He, he almost did it for this one. He almost did it for this one. But I yeah, might talk to him about We need that. to ask him how to spell spaghetti and naked and cold beer. Maddie, spell sketty. On that note, I want to say thank you to Louise for being crazy enough to give us this platform. Thank you to Keeps for being involved in this podcast. And above all, thank you to you. And if you have a crazy story of your own that's just ridiculous and we have to hear it, we want to hear it. Let me give you guys a hotline number. Do you, do you know this number, Marty? I don't know the hotline number, Travis. You have to tell them the hotline number. I forget it. 860-516-1315. 860-516-1315. So if you want your moment in the sun, if you want your moment among the greatest rednecks of all time, if you want your hold my beer moment, this is your shot. Be well. See you next week.